0: Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fM. Forward slash strange Catholics, and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. Welcome to this episode of Strange Catholics. On today's episode, we're going to talk about beauty and how beauty draws us into the transcendent, towards God. We're also going to, our spotlight saint of the week will be St. John the Baptist. Take it away, Bob.
1: So we're going to start talking about beauty. Hey, good evening, podcast listeners. Good evening, brothers. Um, Good evening. Good evening, Bob. Images
0: draws us into the beauty, you know, we're drawn in by beauty.
1: And so today, right. So let's, what, you know, images are icons, right? Icons in the church. This is a real topical thing for us right now. And Phil, Phil kind of put some relevance to it when we were talking before we got on the show here today. So Phil, why, why did you want to talk about icons specifically now with what's going on in the world.
0: I thought, thank you, Bob. I thought it was especially important to talk about because we have, you know, the toppling of statues for, you know, some of what we say are heroic saints or even uh, desecrating of images of our lady or even of our Lord. And the reason why I, I definitely see this tying in with beauty and what draws us into The beauty that draws us into recognize the transcendent or God, you know, is that that beauty helps us to see something outside of ourself and helps us see, you know, even when we're in a beautiful landscape in the Colorado mountains where I love to be, or even the desert of Moab, uh, some places that I love on earth, you can still recognize that there is something greater at play this is not just some random thing and this beauty can draw us into a recognition that there is something beyond outside of ourselves that transcendent is what that means and the beauty part of it i think is so important because we when we walk in to a beautiful cathedral or a beautiful church our eyes look up they look around they take in all of this rich imagery and especially. Before people were, you know, well uh, were well literate or could well, better understand some of the deeper theological teachings, or even just be able to read um, some of sacred scripture, it was through the beauty that people were drawn in. They were given these images to help them on that understanding and contemplation of God, who God is, and how He's worked through salvation history. So when I read and hear about these saints being toppled, about churches being threatened to be damaged or whatever, or some churches have been damaged, it really, it it caused me to reflect on the beauty, how beauty draws us closer to God and how ever since the incarnation of Christ, the word made flesh, we as Catholics believe This then means that we don't have that strong stance that we had from the Old Testament where you shall not make before yourself a graven image. So as Catholics, we say, well, that was true. And even after that statement, God had them make some images, right, that were important for that time. But then God became flesh and was someone you could touch and see. And remember what he looked like. And he broke through a barrier that had not been previously broken through. And so now we had this gift of being able to see the Lamb of God as our spotlight saint, we'll, we'll call him. <laughs> and and we, we get to see Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, the word that was before time
2: is made I flesh to... and okay. so we're
0: able to see and gaze upon not because we're reverencing the image but we're reverencing who the image represents right and there's so, uh,
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> phil go ahead there's three people on the podcast though but go ahead go ahead <laughs> last is there last is there a I test is there a and... test at the end of this or is Absolutely this a homily
0: not. Which no, one is? Not I, a homo- no, it's none of those. Uh, so the last thing you're I just want reading say, out of a textbook. I'm not reading. Out, I'm pacing back and forth. Um, so <laughs> the the last thing I want to say is that when we Catholics say we reverence an image, there's there's two words that really help to give some definition to what that means, especially for those that are non-Catholics or even non-believers. Right. <clears throat> One reverence is for God alone, and that's Latria or Latria. And that is for God alone. That is the reverence we give to God, the Holy Trinity, any of the three persons of the Trinity, that's that reverence that we give. And then we have what's called dulia, which is not the same amount of reverence. We don't worship these these like, statues, these like images. Mary. Like Mary. So Mary is actually considered hyperdulia, the highest yes, very, of very reverence yeah. for for anything that's not God. So, right, there's a different kind and it's not worshiping these these images that we have, but rather looking upon. So the images of us, of the saints, of the greatest saint, our blessed mother, when we look upon these saints, they draw us into that family of God, just like when we have images of our family that we want to remember. Maybe we want to, we look up to, I'll stop now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I don't know if Terry's still awake, but. uh, (laughs) Absolutely. I'm I'm enjoying this. I get it. I get it where we're talking about pictures of our family. You know, when you go to the store and you see that frame that's got the picture of the people in it and you go, I'm going to buy the frame. Right. And it's got a picture in it, you know, of a family. I always look at that and tell my wife, I'm not buying that because I don't even know those people. Why would I want <laughs> them in my house? <clears throat> so to boil this down a little bit, first of all, I love Colorado too. Or as a famous singer once said, um, uh, my, I'm home in Colorado if I'm not in some hotel. And then Terry can think about what pop singers sang that and then they, folk singers sang that in the 1980s. Um, I,
2: I could tell you right away, but uh. <laughs> well,
1: you'll get your chance.
2: <laughs>
1: what, what it is, folks, it's icons that we revere. They're symbols, they're icons of Mary, uh, of, of Joseph, of of Jesus Christ. You know, different categories, as Phil talked about, of reverence for us but but those are, th- those are icons. They're not idols. Okay. And, and it specifically talks about that in, in the Bible about idolatry and, and so on. And I think our Protestant friends, you know, get confused by what we're talking about. And I've had many, oh, many, but a few Protestant friends. I had a, a neighbor once who was a, He was like the, uh, some uh, kind of a non-denominational pastor. He was a wonderful guy and very, very, you know, very faithful guy, you know, very good intention. Um, But he had so many problems with Catholics and he told them to me and it was, well, I don't know why you guys worship Mary and you got all this idolatry going on. And I'm like, You don't understand. Those are icons, okay? They're icons. They we revere. You know, it's you know why why shouldn't we have an icon of Mary, the mother of of God, of Jesus Christ? Why why wouldn't we? You know, Mm -hmm. and and, and I think it's important, as Phil reminded us, that before you know we got a certain amount of literacy. Which still, in the developing world, the third world, literacy is still only at a certain rate, you know, so these are very, very important images for people that mean something, you know they equate to um, important uh, religious icons for us. so I'll stop and let Terry talk. <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, let's, back, let's uh, back it up a little bit. Dan Fogelberg is the answer to your trivia question. That's right. Okay. And I can even tell you the album, but I don't want to show up. I think it's leader of the
1: band. I, I probably, the it song is leader, is leader of the, of the band. band. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. You are absolutely correct. A for the day for rock and roll trivia for Bob. Okay. So to our podcast listeners, you're not only getting some good sound Catholicism, you're getting a little bit of rock and roll trivia along with, you know, today's episode. So bonus for you. (laughs) But I would agree with both of you gentlemen Um, there. And I've had the same conversations that Bob alluded to with people, you know, people who don't understand the Catholic faith and what the statues in the churches mean to us. And it's not idolatry. And I think we, Absolutely, as Catholics, need to make that distinction. We are not idolizing the statue. We are idolizing the image, or we are praying to the image of that statue and what that statue means for us, especially when it comes to Mary, the Holy Mother of Jesus Christ. Every church that I've been to, um, you know, obviously has... Excuse me, let me back up. Every Catholic church that I've been to obviously has some statue of Mary somewhere within the confines of the church. Uh, And some have it actually in a little private chapel off to the side of the main body of church. But that aside, I do believe it's important for us as Catholics to recognize the icon's. And to recognize what those icons represent and getting involved in a deep, deep prayer by gazing upon the icons, which I have done on a couple of occasions um, where I've gone to a real, real deep level of prayer. And it has brought such incredible understanding and fruit to my life. Um, it's just indescribable so for again for me uh, icons are an important part of who we are as Catholics so
1: <clears throat> do we do we think or are we are we concerned that there could be possible um, you know an iconoclasm kind of uh, going to occur here in 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 a widespread way in the near future we see it with uh civil war figures um we see those those uh statues getting torn down we see uh, some um, founding fathers have gotten desecrated and tore down we and then we see a bunch of people that they have no idea who they are. They're still tearing them down. They were abolitionists mm-hmm. and others. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. it seems
1: like it's a wanton destruction without really knowing um, what they're the tearing down. Yeah, right, and, right. and it's right. It's more of a reaction to institutions. And I guess my uh, my concern is, you know, a conoclasm being, you know, the deliberate destruction within a culture of a culture's own religious icons. Are we going to see that because the Catholic church, um, you know, we have quite a few of those, uh, some other churches do too, but, um, but, but certainly in, in, in the, in Christianity, we, we kind of have the majority of those and we probably have the majority of those mm-hmm. compared to other faiths as well, but.
0: Oh yeah. Is, by it, far, by is far. anyone
1: I'm concerned, sure. uh, you know, is anyone concerned that that eventually this is going to proliferate into Catholic churches at all? And saying we're going to this institution's been an institution of oppression, and you know whether that's true or not, it really doesn't matter. But that's how people are reacting. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
0: Uh, even late last week, there were members and one of the founders, or something, of Black Lives Matter that was calling upon a specific, it's actually a Byzantine Catholic church in San Diego, but they were calling, you know, for protests of this church for very thing, very different reasons, but many of which were there, they were not factual, but because this person said it, people assumed that it was true. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's necessarily gonna happen, but I, I mean even with um you know the destructions of for sure well there's been desecrations of the Black Madonna and then also Hunapur Sara uh statues have been toppled in California for sure. Those are the ones that I know of off the top of my head. But uh even uh the call uh there was also a call to tear down or destroy any uh, depiction of jesus that was white as well i mean i think there's even if we're not to the same level that we were back in the 700s late 700s 726 um, to 787
1: roughly i think in that ballpark wasn't it something like that maybe a little later there was a first iconoclasm and the second iconoclasm so
0: so even if we're not there yet, you would know um, that, It you know, w- I think we still want to be mindful, and and I, I think it's also a call to make sure that we we stand up and know and understand why we have these images, why we have these statues, why we have these icons, these paintings, whatever it might be. Um, right. As a as a newer Catholic convert, you know, walking into some beautiful small country parishes throughout throughout the state and even throughout the country i think it draws something else out of us or helps us recognize something greater and draws us into that mystery of the trinity who god is and the gifts he's given us so i think
1: <clears throat> if
0: there if there is a catholic church
1: with statues you know icons outside Which we do have those. I was at a uh, a cathedral today. Um, We celebrated because Saint Thomas. We talked a little bit about Saint Thomas More, who had we had. uh, I think it was was it a feast day or was it birthday? I don't know what happened this week with Saint Thomas More. But um, there's there's a a couple of big statues icons out in front and if that was next to a government building that had other statues, there's no question, I think, that they would be defaced and tore down because of where it was at geographically. Um, so I think, you know, churches, obviously, I still, I still think there could be a chance, right, that it could happen. So, so to all you Emperor Leos out there who want to attack our icons listen to this podcast first so we can tell you how important these symbols are these symbols are as important as if you are going to a baptist church and looking at a cross it's the same thing maybe not exactly the same i mean but similar so at least that's the way i would look at it And, and i'm open to i'm open to be corrected by our scholar in resonance, if if I'm wrong. And that is not you who's talking. It's somebody else, but yeah. Did Phil leave the podcast? No, I didn't leave the podcast. I was letting
0: you guys talk, because I've already talked so much. Well, you have
1: basically taken up the majority of the time. Thanks, Phil, for joining us. Phil, you probably just go away for the rest of the podcast, and Terry and I could try to mop up. We'll carry it from here.
2: (laughs) We need all of our voices blending together to make this podcast. My
1: attempt to try to show that I know something about the Byzantine iconoclasm and Emperor Leo, basically to show that I actually did something to prepare for this podcast. You did the reading. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. (laughs) It was a little bit partly though i remember some of this from uh our our studies well which class would have been uh jacob's class maybe
0: yes definitely yes. his class yep. yeah so and i mean the catechism has a good blip about this well, yeah. up a
1: few different places but. jacob was a great teacher jacob you
0: know who you are you were a great dude <laughs> yep because he's definitely listening to the podcast <laughs> yes, yes absolutely right
2: <laughs> but here my two cents, I'll just weigh in real briefly on this, is that uh, what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling with the destruction of these icons and people going after the church it's it's the work of the evil one. Satan right now is laughing <clears throat> because he, people are listening to the words that are being said And what's going on out there. And he is sitting back laughing because he's getting the upper hand right now in the battle against evil. And I would invite all of our listeners to stop, pause, take a breath, and listen to what your heart says. And not what your head says. Because God is speaking to your heart, not your head.
1: So, you know, and this is not meant to be an indictment of any organization or any people right and we're not saying that they're evil those people are evil or anything like that well what we're saying is you know think about what you're doing i mean these icons are are very important religious symbols and and if what's why would you desecrate them and you know what's what's the point to that you know
2: well and and like you guys you guys said earlier, you know, these people are just reacting to words that are being said. They have no idea what, you know, these statues that they're pulling down, what that truly means. So there's, to for me, how I am interpreting this, there is no purpose to their, to, you know, to people who are doing this to their goal, other than just flat out destruction, because they really don't, some of them don't recognize who these people are, it's just, Hey, let's pull down a statue.
0: Couldn't agree. Yep. More. Um, I, I think it all comes down to, you know, we as Catholics, especially because we have the largest amount of statues and icons, iconography, you know, really making sure that we understand not just intellectually, but in our heart as well, just like what Terry and Bob were talking about, really know and understand why, how we reverence these images, these icons, these statues best, and then how we can help form those in our close circle that are also Catholics, help them understand as well. Because I think the more that people understand this, the even greater devotion there will be. And then in turn, greater protection for these things will also be done.
2: Now, for me, when I'm in, you know, Phil, you alluded to earlier some of the smaller churches um, in and around Minnesota that you've been in. And we've shared some of those spaces together in in worship and celebration. And to see all throughout the church, the the saints, the statues of the saints, you know, to me, it's like they're looking down upon us, protecting us and praying, interceding for God, with God, uh, rather, on our behalf. And it brings me such a comfort beautiful absolutely yeah absolutely
1: well said yeah yeah. all right so we're going to take a short break folks and when we come back we're going to talk about our saint of the week john the baptist we'll be right back okay we're back and we're going to talk about john the baptist and i'm going to hand it to phil to talk a little bit here in the beginning
0: i'll i'll be brief bob thank you
1: (laughs) no chance (laughs) No chance of that.
0: I'll try to be as brief <clears throat> as possible. How about that? Um, sure. So one of the great, the the great legacy, I would say of St. John the Baptist is that he had such a great following because he was saying something different than what the teachers were of the day. And then when Jesus, he would, he would often say there is one coming after me. I am not the Messiah. He is greater than me. I am not worthy to loosen the straps of his sandals. And then as Jesus comes into a picture, he says, behold, the lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. You know, we, we get there's a lot of what he said is in the mass. But he is that precursor. He is, you know, that again, that Elijah figure, that prophetic figure the last of the prophets he's called pointing us to christ to the messiah to the anointed one
1: when i think Not, of john the Baptist, Band- oh are you still talking
0: you go you go
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> well the long the long pause gave me the i thought you were done um when I think of John the Baptist, I think of baptism and I understand that our right is different than one John the Baptist did, but I mean, you know, I think we also think of John the Baptist in, in terms of baptism. I taught, um, pre baptismal courses for couples for, well, oh, I think it was over a year. And, uh, and I always use John the Baptist and, um, uh, and that uh that uh uh, those excerpts of the bible uh in discussing at least discussing that baptism of jesus and, and and kind of where we got started so that that's where i uh really think of john the baptist but i but i agree with phil i mean also you know the seminal importance of what he's talking about.
0: The only other thing I wanted to say was that that tying in with what we talked about prayer last week and the Liturgy of the Hours, we have this beautiful canticle of Zechariah that we say each morning, which really helps to reorient ourselves, to remember. Zechariah, Mishiah. To know, you know, who, you know, really what was all welling up John the Baptist was and then where he leads us so I just wanted to say that last part I'm done sorry
1: Zechariah Ananiah yeah, something like that
0: yes
2: yes yes absolutely no for me I mean um, it's well documented Isaiah prophesied in the book of Isaiah about that voice crying out in the desert of course he was referring to uh, John the Baptist and for me, uh, he, you know, John the Baptist started the baptismal rite by um, baptizing people, followers with water. And the Bible tells us that, you know, there's one to come who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. We all know that that is Jesus Christ. But John John paved that path. He was... To use a modern day term, he was the bulldozer that started people's hearts on fire and paved that path for Jesus to begin his ministry on. And then, of course, handed off the baton at the River Jordan when he baptized Christ himself. But I just, uh, I for, for me, John the Baptist was also um, the voice that that was out there that basically called into accountability, what the Pharisees were doing. And he was not afraid to say to the Pharisees in his preaching, what exactly he thought of, uh, what they were doing, their words, their actions, and, uh, how they were worshiping God. And let's, you know, to surmise it, it was never a favorable, um, it was never a favorable preaching that he did. He, I mean, when you call somebody or an organization broods of vipers, um, you're not complimenting them. Let's just say that, right?
1: And I think that, I agree. Right. Yeah. And the thing I think what I like about St. John the Baptist must have come on out. Of-
2: well, Mark presents Jesus as the hidden Messiah, whereas Matthew presented uh john the baptist as the second coming of elijah and i think john did too if i'm not mistaken
1: well i'll have to
2: all right so getting back to our discussion (laughs) on on saint john the baptist um phil do you have any uh closing thoughts because i right now uh am pretty well tapped out other than the fact that uh you know, for kind of breaking down the different Gospels. Uh, John's Gospel uh, takes John the Baptist from uh, being the second coming of Elijah to a Christian preacher, a voice like Isaiah says, a voice in the desert.
1: Yeah, he, he's got quite a few references and all over the place. He's in the Gospel of uh john he's in right isaiah we talked about right mark yes. and matthew
2: ezekiel Zechariah, uh, uh luke x so phil share with us why why it is exactly that we're talking about john the baptist yeah why
0: yeah right yeah why yeah. okay why
1: why john and not cyril of alexandria which <laughs> i wanted
0: bob really wanted to talk about cyril of alexandria <laughs> Whose memorial is on Saturday? Uh, we're now into the vigil for uh, the Sunday celebration, so we're, we're Cyril is sorry, Cyril, but I really wanted to focus on Saint John the Baptist, both because Jesus gave him such high acclaim, but then also because he is only one he is one of three people that we that we as a Catholic Church recognize or celebrate their birth. And this is actually a solemnity. So the solemnity of the nativity of John the Baptist. The two others are Mary and Jesus Christmas. So I wanted to, I thought that, you know, I really love Cyril and I really love what St. Cyril did. <laughs> and, but I thought we should really talk about St. John the Baptist because here is one of the three people that we recognize their nativity or their birth. And I thought it of utmost importance to highlight, give a brief discussion. And so that's why I really, that's why I really lean towards uh, St. John the Baptist because his nativity was uh, three days ago from when we're recording.
1: So I want our podcast listeners to leave me a message, you know, on whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on and and let me know how much you love Cyril of Alexandria and how much you were disappointed that we didn't get a chance to talk about him. And that's really why I can't talk about John the Baptist, because I was prepared to talk about Cyril of Alexandria. Oh, so that's question, it. Okay, okay. Are any of those holy days of obligation?
0: Christmas Day is a holy day of obligation. Okay. That's the only one. Okay, right. In the United States. I can't speak for other countries.
1: Right. Well, we can't speak for the Eastern Orthodox.
0: Correct. Who yeah. really reveres even more than, you know, our Latin Rite Catholic Church. The Eastern Church reveres St. John the Baptist even greater than we do.
1: Yeah, I-, I agree with you. And you know who they really love? you know what because yeah. that? that's yeah, in it's the east like we do. right because yes. we talk about alexandria we're talking about not alexandria minnesota love listeners there love alexandria but <laughs> we're talking about alexandria egypt
2: so we've been tossing around a word that maybe we should break down for our listeners here as well so
0: describe what is a solemnity phil so my keyboard. solemnity right. is like our highest form of a feast. Um yeah. so yes we have feast days, but solemnities are the highest. Every Sunday is a solemnity. Important events in ch- our church history or important members, I should say, are going to be solemnities. So uh, that was a good one. I like that. So, why talking about holy days of obligation? Why are, why is Good Friday and Ash Wednesday? Why are they not holy days of obligation? <laughs> the reason is because uh, if you have a solemnity or a feast, that's a day yeah. that people are not fasting. And anytime you are fasting, you're not feasting. Right. So that's so what why. what days it's not did you say solemnity. again? Holy. So why are Good Friday and Ash Ash Wednesday not? holy days of obligation because they're days of right abstinence. because they're because, because they're, they're days fast of absence day, yes. fast day, right uh, abs- and absence yeah doesn't mean that they're not important right because no. we have many great events oh. in the church that are not in quotes holy days of obligation but those right. two specific days are set apart because they're very important but those are days of abstinence right where we're, we're fasting, right we're trying to uh, draw ourselves ever closer to God, especially on Good Friday with His passion.
1: Right. And it may be the saddest day. Um, right. A lot of people say, hey, what's the saddest day? Right. What's been the most painful day could be Good Friday, um, which a lot of Catholics go to. But, you know, if you don't go to Holy Thursday, I, I recommend you go to that because that's pretty painful. So, Um, Not, not, but the solemnity is a feast day of the highest rank, as Phil said, celebrating a mystery of faith such as the Trinity. We all know what the Trinity is; it has three things in it, and an event, an event uh, in the life of Jesus, his mother Mary, or other important saint.
0: Ascension, Assumption, all saints, right? right. The conception, right? The
1: observance Mm -hmm. begins with a vigil on the evening before. We don't need to get into all that stuff, but i guess we kind of we covered what
0: really a solemnity is a solemnity is and how important it is so feasts are like the second <clears throat> so solemnities are the top right. and then we have feasts um right. so like feast of the presentation of the lord um right. <clears throat> so and those feasts are days, for a lot of saints or for a mm-hmm. bunch of saints yes for many um
2: like cyril of alexandria no, oh, that's that's a memorial. Yeah. But that yes, was a
1: memorial. That was not oh, a okay. feast. Oh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. John okay. Was a, Yeah. I mean, no. Cyril of Alexandria was not. I mean, it was just a memorial.
0: Memorial. Right.
1: You're right. So, so, so we have that. And then we have memorials. We have some hey yes. We got that.
0: Yeah. Typically, memorials are for saints.
1: Right. Uh, but we have a special group of saints that we do feasts for, and so if you, you know, if you go to you know, to a monastery, right? Depending on the type of monastery, right? You know, uh, a Benedictine monastery is probably going to make a big deal about St. Benedict, you know?
0: When Indeed. That comes so out. that would be for them. Right. Yes, feast. it
1: would feast, right? You know, that type Where of Where
0: it's a memorial everywhere else, right?
1: That, that would make, yeah, make sense. So Or so the name of
0: your parish, if the name of your parish is... Sure.
1: we something. We just had that. I go to not to I would give it away, but i, I go to <laughs> St Thomas more, right the Cathedral of St. Thomas more and now they can pinpoint where I live, okay. and uh unfortunately, <laughs> they probably can trace this podcast back to my place um, but we but we had that feast this last week, I believe because they mentioned it in the homily,
0: correct so, so those particular, those feasts that we're talking about, those are days when we still say the Gloria. It's still part of more of a jubilant celebration. And then we have memorials, which is different. Um, It's basically for any saint that's being recognized on the day. There's a saint for every day of the calendar, many times more than one. So uh, right,
1: there is right.
0: Yeah,
2: multiple.
1: Well, there's so many saints, right? So there are. Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few. And, and and just like icons, okay. And I got used to get this a lot from folks: is okay. Why can't you know you pray directly to God, to Jesus Christ, and the Trinity? You know, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> why do you need a saint to intercede? Excuse me. And my response is, Catholic, I don't need a saint to intercede. What saints are, are incredible human beings that walk the face of the earth that did wonderful things. We hold them in high esteem and they're up in heaven and we're saying, God, I need help with this. And oh, by the way, for specifically this, In regards to if it's a patron saint for something say hey can you intercede and can you help as well i need all the help i can get maybe i'll ask the saint too you know that kind Mm -hmm. of thing
0: yeah being raised protestant right we would have prayer teams prayer circles so there would be a call that would go out to all those people on that prayer team and all these people would be joining together in prayer for whatever this intention is same kind of thing now we're enlisting our heavenly brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to do that same intercession, their proximity to God. We believe makes their prayers ever even more efficacious than our, you know, church militant here on earth.
2: Great explanation, Phil.
0: Right on
1: track. Thanks. Well, we're coming to the end of this week's podcast. Um, We thank everyone for listening. Um, please find us on all the podcast platforms. Apple Podcast. Okay. Spotify. Stitcher. Are we on any other ones? Overcast. What'd you call?
0: Stitcher. Overcast. Okay. St- all major Stitcher, platforms. Stitcher.
1: Over- all major. There we go. Because I can't remember them all. So we thank everyone for listening. Um, Phil, give your little spiel about leaving comments and
0: you can leave us a message at the link in the description you can also email us at strange catholics pod that's strange s-t-r-a-n-g-e-c-a-t-h-o-l-i-c-s-p-o-d at gmail.com a link will also be in the description for that we really appreciate your comments any suggestions you might have for upcoming episodes anything that you want to send us we would love to discuss on our show especially if you send us some audio feedback. We'd love to play it in our next episode.
2: So Bob, lead us in a beautiful college prayer.
1: (laughs) All right. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Almighty and ever-powerful God, thank you once again for this opportunity for the brothers to get together and to live with you and be with you and talk about you. In our podcast platform as we go forward tonight and over the next days until we meet again, please watch over us and our families, our podcast listeners, everyone around the world and uh, just, you know, live with us, be with us and, and, and allow, hopefully a go into the hearts of those people that uh, across the whole world. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Father, and Spirit. Son, Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Until next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it, helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person, This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day and may God bless you.